Welcome to a new episode of the Sunday Sauce. I'm here with Joe Kent running for Congress in this great state of Washington. I've never been there, but I've heard wonderful things about it. I heard it's a lovely place to visit. I heard it's very scenic. Joe, welcome to the Sunday Sauce. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to see you. Uh, Joe, I know you were in the Army. I want to thank you for your service. Um, and thank you for defending this country. Really appreciate that. Thank you very much. Appreciate that. Um, I, I know I read your story a little bit. Uh, you know, after 9-11, you 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 jumped right in. You wanted to serve. Um, you know, I can't blame you like you. I I wanted to, I served here in the homeland. I joined the FDNY EMS when I was old enough. Uh, so I served the New York City for five years. Because like you, I saw 9-11. I saw 343 of my brothers parish get disintegrated and it was disgusting and um you know politicians today compare 9-11 to, to january 6th and these kinds of things and it really makes me disgusted and i'm sure it makes you disgusted because you actually went yeah. to afghanistan and you know did what you had to do so no, it's uh it, it's crazy to see that we've forgotten exactly what uh what happened on 9-11 um and for those of us who haven't forgotten our voices have kind of been uh i guess overcast by the uh the permanent ruling class that wants to compare january 6th or you know trump being elected as the president to 9-11 it's, it gets thrown out there so much that's really taken away a lot of the gravity that i think um is seared into the consciousness of our generation um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, I was already in the military when 9-11 happened. Um, but I was glad that I was there cause I could go and fight back. My late wife is actually a New Yorker. Um, she and her younger brother enlisted because of her father and their uncle. They were both first responders. Her father was a, a career New York state trooper. And then her, uh, uncle was a Staten Island firefighter. So they went and they were at ground zero for several days. Um, so 9-11, even though I'm, uh, I'm not a native born New Yorker, it's, uh, it's really a part of the 9-11 in New York and the Pentagon and uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania. It's all part of the DNA, I think, of every, everybody who fought in the global war on terror, because that was really, even though things went off the rails and the wars had all kinds of um, bad turns that we took and lots of lives behind them, uh, that was the starting premise. That's why we all went and volunteered to go fight. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you look back on 9-11, everyone was so patriotic back then and you know um every american was was just all about america all about america what what happened to to america what like i mean even during um obama i feel like we were still very patriotic and then towards the end of his presidency um people started to get very anti-american why do you think this happened you know, I think really at a very, there's a lot of complexities there. There's some corporate interests and corporate greed. But I mean, I, I think our institutions just ran out of credibility. I mean, after 9-11, I think our institutions actually had a fair amount of credibility. I mean, they weren't pure as the driven snow leading up to 9-11. There's a lot of mistakes that we made. I mean, under Bill Clinton, we could have taken Osama bin Laden out multiple times. We were attacked. Two more embassies bombed overseas. USS Cole was attacked. Bin Laden declared war on us. 93, the World Trade Center was hit. There was multiple times we could have taken out bin Laden. But after 9-11, everybody said, okay, let's put all that aside. We have a job to do. We have to take, uh, we have to seek vengeance on those who attacked us. And then we have to make sure it never happens again. The problem is, I mean, I, I really think in, in short order after we took out the Taliban and we chased Al-Qaeda, 
into Pakistan, I, I think there was a key moment there in late 2001, early 2002, when the Bush administration said, okay, well, we're not going to tell the American people this, but we're going to stop pursuing bin Laden and Zawahiri because of our, our weird relationship with Pakistan, and we're going to focus on nation building. I mean, Bush said it in a speech in 2002 that, hey, we're the new mission in Afghanistan is nation building. Well, that's not what the American people gave them consent to do. That te- If you're going to be technical, that's not in the authorization use of military force, but he did it. And then within a year later, before people could even wrap their heads around that, we were marching off into a war into Iraq that had nothing to do with 9-11. It was sold to us on a bunch of lies. But I think after 9-11, people wanted, they wanted that unity and they wanted the government. They wanted our leaders and our institutions to be the ones that we could rally behind. And it was just one strike after another, one lie after another. And, and I think the longer the wars went on, it exposed so much more than any of the, the mass surveillance of, of American citizens with the Patriot Act. You know, the fact that our economy was being hauled out, jobs were being shipped overseas. We were spending an exorbitant amount of money overseas. I just think this gradual bleeding of credibility eventually led us to, to where we are now. It's so, I mean, um, and now Trump comes into office and um, he's called the fascist. He's called, uh, he's called a racist and he's, he's called this he yeah. called that. And, and now we have uh, guys, we have Joe Biden and, and now people are starting, I feel like some Democrats are starting to come around a total 180 and be like, oh, shit, I think we made a mistake here electing this guy. Would you say so? I mean, I think so. I, I think the honest, like, independence and, and maybe not as um, dying-in-the-wool Democrats or, or maybe the ones that never got by the full Trump derangement syndrome, they're willing to say, and I actually hear this at a lot of my events, hey, I, uh, I voted for Biden, I didn't like Trump, but I'll tell you what, I didn't vote for this. I didn't think this last year was going to go this way because Biden on the campaign trail, the, the few events that he did from his basement or whatever, he, <laughs> he didn't really say anything. He just said, like, hey, I'm I'm the guy you know. I'm going to bring things back to that, like, you know, mid 2000s, like when we can kind of all get along. And then right when he got into office, it's radical policy after radical policy. Um, and so I think a lot of those voters that you talk about are just like, hey, man, I, it's not me. I didn't vote for this. What's scary, though, is you do have I, I think I, I, don't, I don't think there, it's a lot of people, but it's a very vocal minority, especially um, who have key grasps on institutions like big tech, mainstream media. You have people there that they will defend Biden and they will defend these leftist policies, the, these failed institutions at all costs. I mean, it's the same people that are still bringing up like. January. I mean, the whole world is going to hell right now, and they're still probably somewhere on MSNBC. If we flipped it on, they'd be talking about January sixth, you know, without a doubt, right? You know, or, or or COVID, how like we're all going to die because there's Ukrainians fighting right now without masks on, you know. But unfortunately, these people, even though they're a minority, like they actually control a bunch of powerful institutions. So I, I do think there is a an, an awakening going on right now. I mean, you're in New York City and, and here in, or in New York, in New York State and in Washington State. What we have in common is that we've both been uh, really crippled by draconian COVID policies. And so I think a lot of normal people who would have loved to have just tuned out politics, it's been just so right up in their face right now that they're like, what the hell is going on? Mm -hmm. You know, so I I think it's a great opportunity for for us, for the America First Movement, those of us that are, I guess, on the right. I I even kind of think sometimes the construct of like right versus left is almost this old thing. And now there's like the totalitarians that want complete and total control of your life. And then there's the rest of us that just want to actually make this the country that we grew up in. Yeah. Um, so you you actually were born in Oregon, right? Oregon, oh, however you say yeah. it. 
So. so where I live right now is like right on the Washington Oregon border. So yeah, I was born on the uh, the, the Oregon side, Portland, Oregon, the the, fam- the now famous city. When I was growing up, it wasn't a famous city. Right. But so now I was going to I, 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 I ask you, like growing up in in Oregon, um, was it um, liberal? Was it Republican? Because like I never been out there. I mean, now I know it's very liberal. But when you were growing up, you're a little older than me. So how was it out there? Was it always liberal? Was it always Republican? How was those states in Washington, Oregon? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, still to this day, it, it's, and I think a lot of America is like this. I know New York is from my late wife's family. Like, if you get outside the city, right? Like, New York City obviously is, is very leaning to the left, but mm-hmm. what you, you drive out into uh, out into the Poughkeepsie area, and like, it's it, it, you're in Red America. I mean, yeah. people don't realize that it's the same way in Washington and Oregon. I mean, you get Seattle and Portland, and you were you were in the heart of some serious leftist, progressive, Marxist ideology. I mean, especially recently, the, the Chad. Antifa, mm-hmm. all that mm-hmm. is right there. Pick a cardinal direction and drive for 15 minutes, and there's you know there's Trump flags hanging from the trees, and you're in you're in blue collar logging country, fishing country, outdoorsman. Um, but to answer your question, when I was growing up uh, in the, like 80s and the 90s, uh, Portland was it was a, a kind of a, a the perfect size town. It had like a little bit of a downtown. There's some suburbs. You could get in the woods, the mountains, really really fast. It was probably I would say generally. Democrat leaning um, because Oregon was one of the tech hubs, like tech hubs, and then like um, great American companies like Nike had their headquarters here. So it was attracting a lot of uh, white collar college educated people. And so it had a left lean to it, but like normal, whatever left was in the 80s and 90s, which nowadays would probably be canceled as being some sort of fascists right. um, by, by today's standards. <laughs> uh, I remember, you know, growing up, I went to Portland Public Schools, which is crazy, right? Like if you want to, if you want to rebel and you grow up in Portland, Oregon, you, you enlist in the army right away. So that's probably, you know, something to do with my personal story. But I remember growing up in, in, in the public schools, I had a good mix of teachers that were like, I would say fairly left leaning, but we still had a lot of just robust discussions and my, my parents have always been very republican conservative they're both from virginia originally and a lot of our friends were democrats and my parents and our neighbors they would sit down and they would have like very reasonable political discussions and they would disagree with each other and still be friends which is wild because nowadays i, I just don't feel like that happens anymore these no, days no, no. i mean i've lost many followers on instagram because of my podcast people just you know I post uh, Republican conservative views. I call out liberals because they're hypocritical, you know, rules for the E, not for me, you know, you know how right. it goes. And then people get upset yep. and they unfollow me and whatever. So that's that. I mean, uh, but you, you join, you're in the army, you grow up Portland, you, I mean, in Oregon and Washington, what brings you to decide I'm running for Congress. I'm sick and tired of this crap. What do you, what would what, what you decide? to do that yeah definitely something i never envisioned uh me me doing in my my life so i was in the army for for 20 plus years uh started a second career uh in the cia so the, the transition from special operations to being a oh, paramilitary wow. guy in the cia it, it sounds like really cool and spooky and it, it kind of is but it's pretty normal actually Wait, are you supposed to tell me you were in the cia i feel like you're not supposed to tell me that you can actually say that it's kind of funny like when you leave like you have the option um if you were just like a, a regular CIA guy, which I was as a paramilitary oh, guy. So I was okay, you know, right. doing counterterrorism stuff in the Middle East, you know, they give me the option. They're like, Hey, do you want to declare and say that you, you work for the CIA? And so I, I said, yeah, sure. And they, they tell you what you can and can't say. And cause I was doing stuff that I think most Americans like would kind of expect me to do. There's, oh, you know, okay. I can be fairly straightforward about it. So I was only there for about a year and that was, um, that was when my wife was, she was killed uh, fighting ISIS in Syria uh, in early 2019. So I resigned immediately from the agency. 
Um, I, I was a pretty early Trump supporter. I've always been a Republican, but by the end of the Bush administration, I was furious at the Republicans for pretty much everything that we discussed. I was like, hey, I, I did uh, you know 11 combat deployments. I was in Iraq kind of from the beginning until the end, both times when we were through and when we went back in. And I, I was furious at the Bush administration. And so they, they lost me as a Republican. I wasn't ready to become a Democrat. That's kind of when I found like Rand, uh, Rand and Ron Paul and kind of got in with that crowd. Um, but I, when Trump came on the scene and he went after the Republican establishment, especially the Republican foreign policy establishment, I was like, who the hell is this guy? Now, my late wife, Shannon, being from New York, she was like, oh, that's Trump. Like, Trump's totally going to win, which was, which was hilarious because I was like, isn't he like the guy from The Apprentice? And she's like, nah, you don't understand. Like, the, it's, it's like a New York thing, but like Trump's probably going to win. And I thought she didn't know what she was talking about. But uh, sure enough, Trump does it. He wins. He tries to get our troops out of Syria. Um, had he not gotten blocked by General Mattis and a bunch of other folks, my, my wife would still be alive to this day. So I had a brief opportunity to meet Trump. And I told him, I was like, hey, you know, you're getting this foreign policy thing right. I've been living foreign policy since post 9-11, my entire adult life. Like you're getting it right, but you're being undermined. Because when Trump came in, now mind you, I came in the military under Clinton, served all of Bush, served all of Obama, did the last little bit under Trump. I had seen transitions between administrations before. The transition from Obama to Trump was like nothing I had seen before. Like mid to senior level uh, level leaders, they had no qualms whatsoever about bad mouthing a president, which was completely off the table. You're not supposed to do that. Like that, he, that's the commander in chief. You put politics aside. You you're, you swear to support and defend the constitution. And what I saw under Trump was just completely the opposite. And so I told him, I was like, hey, you're getting it right, but you're being undermined. That was my cash out moment. I resigned like right after that. I thought nothing else would come from it. You know, when else am I going to get to meet a president? But he reached back out and wanted to hear more of what I had to say. Um, I wrote some white papers for the, the Trump administration, for the uh, some guys working national security issues. And then I started working heavily once I was out of government on the Trump 2020 campaign, worked as hard as I could. And that, at the same time, I'm moving my family back here to the Northwest where I'm from and 2020 happens. The lockdown shut down small businesses and then the riots kick off, man. And the riots kicked off like crazy in Portland. So I literally watched this town that I grew up in get taken over by an insurgency. And I spent my entire adult life fighting in insurgencies fighting against terrorist organizations and and what happened in portland i felt and this is exactly what was happening in baghdad and yemen all these other places i was at um i i was like man we're on the cusp of losing our country i had a, a job offer to go work in a second trump administration which i accepted and then the election gets stolen and the woman that i had voted for because i moved right across the river uh, as soon as I could to get into a red district. It's weird because Portland's very left. The district we live in just across the Columbia River in Washington State, it's very red, very conservative. So I moved over here. And then my Republican representative, who I gave my vote to, she votes to impeach, she votes to certify election, and then she votes to impeach Trump. And so I was like, we are on the cusp of losing our country. I was going to go serve in the second administration. That's out the window now. Like, I I don't, I don't know how to run for, for office, but I'm at least going to give it a try because I don't trust the typical politicians anymore. You know, we have a little similar situation going on here. So I live in Brooklyn and um, we had uh, a, con a congressman, Max Rose, who actually was also, you, I don't know if you ever heard of him. He was also in the military. Uh, he got a purple heart because apparently he was delivering some documents somewhere. He was like a, I'm not like discounting him or anything. He was like an administrative uh, captain and he um, yeah. just ran over an IED. I think he got some shrapnel in his helmet. So they gave him a purple heart mm. and um, he just basically ran on that his whole campaign. Like, I just got a purple heart. I'm, I'm an army hero. So vote for me. Like that was his whole campaign. 
And he was kind of, I guess, moderate and he's a Democrat. So he, he, uh, he ran on that. He won, but when um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement came and he ran in Staten Island, which is a, is a 100% Republican place in New York city. Like they voted for Curtis Lewa 100%, like no, no Democrats nice. in Staten Island. It's all blue collar firefighters, cops, sanitation workers, all that stuff. So I can't believe he won that. And he actually has part of my district of South Brooklyn. So anyway, long story short, he uh, marched with Black Lives Matter with defund the police signs in 2020. He was up for re-election. He got smoked by Nicole Maliotakis. Awesome. So, and he also voted to impeach Trump because Nancy Pelosi, he's Nancy Pelosi's lapdog. So he just got, he literally just got smoked. But now, now Nicole Maliotakis, she, uh, is she got endorsed by Trump, but she also said she would vote for the Build Back Better bill. So now she might get thrown out of this district. And they're also doing a rezoning to get more liberals to vote. So it's all messed up here. So it's the craziest thing ever I've seen. It's very crazy. Yeah. Envy you with having to deal with the, the New York political machine there. I mean, the, the, the Washington state establishment and Washington state Democrats, because we have like Jayapold and some other crazies too. It's, it's bad enough, but I think the New York machine is pretty formidable. So I don't, I don't envy that fight. Yeah. No, I feel like what New York does, everyone tries to uh, be copycat. Cause I feel like New York really sets the stage for everything political. Like, every, like, cause everything Cuomo did during the uh, lockdown Every other governor basically kind of copycatted him. That was dem- that was blue, not not like any in red states. Just any Democrat governor basically just copied Governor Cuomo. So now, whenever I'm on the East Coast, I always tell people for for those who aren't familiar with Jay Inslee, I always just say Inslee is the Cuomo of the West. <laughs> so that's that's because he did the same thing. He did it with the uh, throwing old people, the, the infected old folks, back into the senior citizens' homes, mm-hmm. like Cuomo did it, and then like a week later, Inslee was doing the same thing, and it, it actually caused tons of deaths up here too. Wow, that's yeah. See, you would never hear about that here because Cuomo just totally took over the whole news when he. Uh, got caught for all that stuff. And actually the governor of New Jersey as well, but no, he's not in as big trouble as Cuomo, but he also killed a lot of senior citizens. But, um, you know, Cuomo wrote a book and got an Emmy. So he's the, he's the main target, but he's not going to prison apparently. So (laughs) whatever. So funny how that works. Yeah. It's funny how that works. But if if his last name was like Trump or DeSantis or Kent, sure. Or oh, yeah. know, he would lock him up, throw away the key. Lock him up, lock him up, throw him yeah. away. Um, yeah. So your campaign, what is, what are you going to run on? And so in Washington, like, so I know, like I said, I've never been there. What do people in, in Washington state, what do they love about, about Joe Kent? What do they love about you? Tell me. So, you know, I think most conservatives right now are really sick and tired of the milquetoast Republicans that aren't willing to fight against everything that the left is doing or even being, you know, part of the scam, which is what, you know, corporate Republicans have been for years. It really hasn't been much. When you look at like Bush versus Obama, in terms of rhetoric, it was very different. But then in terms of execution, it was the exact same thing. It was jobs overseas. It was endless wars going, regime change. It was open up our border uh, to illegal immigrants, to legal immigrants, to undercut U.S. labor, right? That was the whole, that's the whole scam. Trump ran as the antithesis to all of that. So 
people here in this district, especially because we have such you know draconian blue politics coming from our urban centers, they want to see that Republicans are going to fight. People are still furious about the stolen election in 2020. They want to hear that you have a plan to go take that on. The, the COVID mandates, which I know in New York City you guys are sympathetic with, um, people are uh, sick and tired of that. I mean, we had state workers, uh, Inslee actually got ahead of the Biden mandates and started mandating the state workers about a month prior, take the jab or lose their jobs. We've had people, and then a bunch of private businesses followed suit. So we've had people that have had their lives upended. We've had tons of small businesses that have been closed down because of the lockdowns. Our kids are still masked in the schools. They're talking about mandating it. It's, it's losing traction now, thankfully, but they are still seriously talking about mandating the vaccine for kids to go through K through K through 12. So, and we've had Republicans here in the state that refuse to address it. The woman I'm running against, Jamie Herrera Butler, not just in for the impeachment of President Trump, she said absolutely nothing about these, these crazy vaccine mandates mandates that have affected so many people. And she's taking money from Big Pharma, from Johnson & Johnson. That's the whole scam here. And our ability to have people like leave high school and get a decent paying job, it's really been affected here in the last 20, 30 years. Our timber industry, which is the backbone of the economy for the Pacific Northwest, been absolutely gutted at the altar of environmentalism that killed off our actual logging. But then our actual processing, which used to employ even more people at the sawmills, at the paper mills and all that, that, of course, has been either completely taken away or drastically downsized and sent overseas to China. And again, the Republicans have done nothing about it. Trump is the first Republican that even talked about it and made serious efforts to bring back those jobs. And people actually started to see a lot of those jobs come back because of the tariffs, because of Trump's uh, buy American, hire American, make it here in America policies. And right as we were coming out of that, you know, COVID happened. So that's a very, you know, kitchen table economic issue that comes up all the time. Those are huge issues. We have a ton of ports here because we're, you know, right on the Pacific Ocean. Um, we're one of the only red districts, we're one of two red districts uh, that actually touch the Pacific Ocean and the whole United States. So we're pretty unique. But we also have a bunch of great ports. We have the Columbia River that runs right through our district that gives us access to the interior of, of America. So we have a ton of potential. We've had our tech industry as well. There was a great tech hub up here that's been... Uh, really gutted out by the combination of globalism, shipping our jobs overseas, but then also importing uh, special skilled immigrants with the H-1B visa system. Um, so pretty much at every level, the, the assault on people's just ability to get a decent paying job and support a family, that's been on full display. And then just geographically, our district is sanguished between these failing chaotic sanctuary cities, Portland right to our south, and then Seattle tour I-5 runs right through it. We are, in a military sense, we're like key terrain that the left wants to take over so they can connect these, these horrible failing cities. We had Antifa during the height of the riots march from Portland into our district, like trying to like take over bridges, like military style attack, like taking over our bridges and shut down, shutting down key infrastructure. And the Republicans said absolutely nothing about it. Jamie Herrera Butler actually voted with the Democrats to stop Trump from deploying the National Guard as our citizens were being assaulted, as businesses were being burned and, and vandalized and all that. So those are some of the big issues. Just really being able to, to go and to fight, that's huge. And, and say that, hey, I'm not going to just cave to the establishment. That That's what people want to hear. I tell, I tell folks all the time that like, hey, there's no Republican voter out there that wakes up in the morning and is like, man, I, I really wonder what like Mitt Romney and Jamie Herrera Butler and Kevin McCarthy have to say about the issues of the day. They're not doing that. They're like, what does Trump have to say? What does Marjorie Taylor Greene have to say? What does Matt Gates have to say? Like, that's the beating heart right now of the Republican movement, regardless of what they say on, you know, MSNBC. So I think just really being able to go and, and being willing to fight, that's what people want to see.
Yeah, it's so funny how you say about that National Guard thing. I just was watching the news and uh, they're so concerned about uh, the Freedom Convoy of truckers getting to D.C. And um, all of a sudden they deployed the National Guard like like this. Two seconds. But January 6th, Trump called, what, six, six, seven times? And they're like, oh, no, no, can't have them there. No, it, it's for truckers, but but for uh, maybe or perhaps uh, an insurrection, as they say, they, they yeah. couldn't call the National Guard. In the summer of 2020, I mean, how many cities like Portland burned? We had a uh, district. No one's going to ever answer for that. It was peaceful. Yeah, no one's peaceful, exactly. peaceful. Listen, in New York City, yeah. we watched people. Someone got shot over a Gucci bag. Literally, literally. My friends responded in an ambulance in Soho. Someone got literally shot over a Gucci bag and no one's been prosecuted. It's the greatest yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah, American it's the greatest cities, thing man. I've ever seen. It's seeing I, American cities right now is just really depressing. I mean, we were up there in New York for the, the, the I, I was going to say you were just here. So you, you just, for the Y for the young Republicans, which I'm a member of yeah. and uh, yeah. you know, Gavin actually told me to reach out to you and I'm sure yeah. you saw how the city is just a shithole. Like, let's be real. Let's talk. Like, no, I mean, it, in Portland and Seattle, the same ways. In Portland and Seattle, it used to be amazing cities. I used to tell people all the time, like, yeah, I've been to the West Coast. San Francisco, too. I mean, Nancy Pelosi and all them, like, they, they were beautiful cities. They're destroyed. It was it was sad. I mean, it was great being with the New York Young Republicans. That's an awesome clubhouse you guys have. Thank you. I mean, but, like, just being back in New York with everything, you know, Vax Passport. Oh, God. Mask, and the homeless problem. It's, I mean, because it's America. I mean, New York City is America's city. And so, like, it's, it's right. our second capital. And it's, it's just sad to see because, like, I'm, I'm glad I've been to New York in the mid 2000s when it was you know booming and, right. and Giuliani had cleaned it up it was safe like it's it, it's a it's an amazing city and like it's just it breaks my heart to see it i used to live in dc too when i was in the military so anytime i go back to dc and like we do you see homeless encampments on the national mall like, it's, a it's a disgrace it's a joke do you guys have a bail reform uh problem in uh seattle and stuff like that we do yeah okay. we've essentially our, our state legislature has essentially defunded our police except for we mm. still pay for them like the police basically have to witness someone in a violent crime to intervene they've we've taken it we've, we've tied their hands behind the backs and it, we've taken away all ability for the police to be proactive. They can kind of come and write police reports after the fact, but it's in almost overnight, our crime just skyrocketed. So yeah, it's, it's insanity out here too. Yeah. I actually read uh, that news article a couple months ago where the poor father was actually in cardiac arrest and you guys didn't have in Seattle and you didn't have the uh, police resources to get to him first yeah. to give him CPR because the EMS was yep. backed up. That actually makes me physically ill. And the poor, yeah. the poor kid, like, didn't even know what to do. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a disgrace. Like, we're a first world country. We're like one of the most advanced countries in the world, and like, yeah. we can't we can't help people that are dying on the street. Like, yeah, it's 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 disgusting. Um, let me get your thoughts about Ukraine real quick. Uh, you know, you were an army ranger. What personally, this is my point of view. I think we should just stay out of it, right? Because let let Ukraine and Russia, you know, just kill each other obviously ukraine's doing a, as of today ukraine's doing a pretty good job holding them off i mean these we have to, the u.s has to remember you've been in afghanistan you've been in in the you know you've been in the sandbox uh russia's not a bunch of guys with sandals with broken ak-47s hiding in caves these people are ready to die they will come to america and invade america you know afghanistan doesn't have a navy they don't have an air force they're, they're just guys in caves. Russia is a very serious nuclear power. I mean, what, what, what do you think we, we should do here? 
Well, right now, I mean, I think we should stay out. Like, I'm against any kind of U.S. intervention, U.S. boots on the ground. Like, it's not our fight. I mean, Russia and Ukraine having some form of a border dispute. Yeah, that's that's their business. The, the problem we're in right now, like, I think the, the bottom line, there's a lot of different complexities to it. Um, but the bottom line is we, we and the world suffer when we don't have strong U.S. leadership. And, you know, Trump took all kinds of flack for his leadership style, but you didn't see this happen, happening under President Trump's watch. And, and the big reason for this is because President Trump is a very smart guy. He made America strong and energy independent. We are a net exporter of energy. Correct. So that way, when we, when we, when we went to go negotiate or discuss with any other world leaders where their economy runs on energy, such as Russia, such as the Middle East, Trump approached them from a position of strength. Like he didn't need them. And he could also mess with their ability to export their own goods. He could go to the Europeans and say like, hey, if you guys are going to complain to me about Russia because you're scared of Russia and want our help with it, then why are you buying oil from them? I'll sell you some. I got some more. And that's a position of strength. And no other, we haven't had a president that approaches things that way in my lifetime. Um, but then also at the same time, Trump said, hey, he ran on, I, I want to get us out of our endless wars. I don't want any more new wars. He made that happen. But he wasn't shy about using force if we had to. He took out every inch of ground that ISIS controlled. He killed the Iranian terror master, Qasem Soleimani, without any civilian casualties. He killed mm-hmm. his deputy, who was a bad guy as well, who had attacked Americans since the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Russia was pushing us around in Syria under Obama. I was there. The Russians would get close to us and we would have to retreat. It was very humiliating because Obama was scared of the Russians. He, he, he had already punk, gotten punked out on the whole red line thing. Trump came in and said, hey, if the Russians try and take any of these strategic oil fields, we'll punch them in the nose. The Russians thought we were bluffing. We killed like 300 Russian mercenaries. So when Trump went and sat down with Putin, Putin understands that. The problem is like Americans are sometimes we're too nice and we're too sophisticated. Putin understands a guy who, when he says, like, if you do this, I will punch you in the nose. Like, that's actually how a lot of people in the world think. I know a lot right. of folks in, in America. No, you know, no, no. They're, they're soft. They're soft. They don't understand. Soft. They, they don't feel right. like, oh, why would you say sure. that? But but Trump understood that. So when he sat right. down with Putin, Putin knew that, like, he couldn't really mess around with Trump. And Trump had the economic upper hand. When Biden comes in and kills off our domestic oil oh, production. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's out the window. Because then, then, and now we're in this really precarious situation where Putin knows we're weak. He saw what happened in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. There's no check on him right now. And except for we've taken away pretty much every other option we have up until like, okay, now, now we're going to be in a position where if he continues to march to the West, do we have to go and support NATO? Like, and this is all because of we were weak and we put our country last. This That's makes article five, right? We, Just in, they're talking yeah. about, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And this makes the case mm-hmm. for why we have to be strong domestically. Like mm-hmm. for all these Democrats mm-hmm. they are like, we have to, we can continue to rely on China for all of our manufacturing. We can continue to import our energy and look for green energy. Like, no, we can't do any of that. We have to be independent and strong here in America or we're weak on the world stage. Joe Biden had two opportunities to be the greatest president ever, right? Well, three. He could have came in office, just left everything as it is. That was his first opportunity. He didn't have to li- listen to the leftist, Marxist, progressive BS, right? Two, he could have just lifted all the COVID mandates. That of the second. Three, uh, he could have just said today or yesterday, you know what, Putin? We're reopening every pipeline in America. We're going to do oil here. See you later. We don't need you anymore. That's it. That's what McCain said back in 2008, I believe. You know how you beat Putin? Not with a bullet, not with anything, not with any troops. You just do oil here, and then he won't be rich anymore. And that's it. That's what John McCain said. How how simple is that? 
But now, now we're now we're about to be in World War Three with Russia, who has nuclear weapons, who's not afraid to use them. Yes, it's 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 precarious, man. It's it's yeah. very precarious. I'm I didn't think Putin was gonna go this far. I thought he was just gonna take the Russian speaking provinces, but now the whole game's changed and the world is a is a very dangerous place. Again, it, when 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 America's weak, the world becomes a very dangerous place. It's just that it's that simple. That's correct. Joe, I thank you for everything. Um, what can we do? Where do we go to help you? Your website, Instagram, please tell me. Uh, Joe Kent for Congress.com is the website. There's a link tree to all the social media on there. And if people, if people uh, are so inclined, I'd really appreciate any kind of donation they can give. I'm up against one of the impeachment voters who's being supported by the GOP establishment. And then I'm also up against the far left out here in the Pacific Northwest. So five, 10, 15 bucks goes a long way to, uh, to help get rid of the establishment. So Joe Kent for Congress.com. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, man. Thank you. I appreciate it.